Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. During the past several weeks, you probably got a few gifts, maybe some high-tech stuff like a video game or a tablet, maybe some lower-tech stuff like a winter jacket or a nice shirt. But here's a big question. When will those two categories collide? If your car and your watch and your thermostat, if they can become fancy and techy, why not your shirt? Turns out it's happening. Shirts that adjust to your body temperature, jackets with heaters and sensors in them, And that may be the stuff of holidays to come, which we will get to. But in some ways, there have been huge technological advances in retail over the past few decades. A little company from Bentonville, Arkansas, Walmart, became legendary for their ability to instantly track what products sold at what stores all over the country. Other retailers lusted after the advantage that this information gave them. And the cutting-edge system quickly changed the game. Walmart cut the legs out from under a lot of single category stores in a lot of places and not just little towns, but, you know, places like Raleigh and Kansas City, slightly larger towns. That's journalist Charles Fishman, who I talked to about a year ago and who has written extensively about Walmart. Then Walmart's innovative thinking got overshadowed by the relentless inventions of another retailer. Walmart is five times, six times the size of Amazon. But Amazon today is the company that sets the rules of the retail landscape. And in the last three or four years, Amazon has doubled in size and Walmart has grown by 2% a year. So it's 2% on top of a really big base. But it's Amazon that is innovating and it's Amazon that people fear And among the the folks who fear Amazon is Walmart. Still, as much computing power has gone into figuring out supply chains and making sure that the add to cart button is in exactly the right place, a lot less attention has gone into what's inside the store or inside the box. T-shirts, socks, blazers, they are pretty much what they've been for a long time which is why a new wave of companies is looking not to invent a new rewards program or faster shipping routes, They want to change the clothes themselves. And that brings us to Gihan Amarasiri Wardena. In some ways, Gihan was a normal kid. He went to school in New England. He was a Boy Scout. But in other ways, he really wasn't your average kid. Early on, I I would take, you know, Tyvek home wrap, laminate that to ripstop and make rain jackets that way. I would take space blankets, run through my parents' paper shredder and make sleeping bags that way. So I've been hacking performance clothes for a long time. It's been a passion. Gihan wanted to be warmer when he camped out at the lake in January. So he pulled his parents' sewing machine out of the closet and started stitching all sorts of stuff together. Meanwhile, in Georgia, a kid named Aman Advani was also doing unusual things to his clothes. It would start by, in my case, Googling, you know, dry fit dress socks, for instance, and, uh, and that just didn't exist. And Googling, 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 realizing that it's just not there. And so ultimately then, just like Gihan, deciding to hand sew the stuff. So taking the sole out of a dry fit pair of running socks, taking the sole out of a pair of, of gold toe dress socks and, and actually merging the two together into kind of a Franken sock mm-hmm. using kind of basic hand <laughs> sewing. Now, it's not, I, just as somebody who doesn't know how to sew, was this like a skill you really had or did you develop it because you needed these socks and like then you needed to know how to sew? God, I wish I had a better answer for that. The, the reality was I, it was mom and I on the couch <laughs> on, again, kind of a Saturday afternoon. Sewing your Franken socks, yeah, okay. yeah. 
Aman and Gihan grew up. They went to college to the Georgia Institute of Technology and MIT, where hacking computers is the order of the day, and they became engineers. And then in 2012, they decided, well, computers are great, but why aren't we hacking dress shirts? So we, we developed this moisture-wicking, wrinkle-free dress shirt uh, that had four-way stretch in it, and it was really born out of kind of some experiences that we'd had in, and with our peers that dress shirts were just the source of all discomfort in professional clothing. People really hated wearing it. And so we started off initially by cutting up running shirts and literally sewing dress shirts out of them. And we were able to solve some of the problems, but we, we had found... Did they look good? They did not look good. <laughs> they did not look good. <laughs> so you wouldn't want to go to your banking interview in this. Probably no. not. Okay. In fact, the first prototypes, I, I sewed the, the cuff backwards, so the, the buttons were on the wrong side. It was You could tell that they're they homemade. <laughs> Ultimately, the hackers ended up turning to a fabric that NASA had created, a fabric meant to absorb the heat of astronauts and then give it back to them when they were colder. It's called a phase change material. It's basically like a thermal battery for heat. And what it does is it absorbs any excess heat that your body's emitting, stores it in the material by basically having wax melt. And then when you go into an over-AC'd office, it actually freezes and releases that heat back to you. So it's an intelligent thermal control system, but it's all passive, which is pretty cool. So the idea is, okay, so you're so you're biking and it's hot, and the idea is the... Um, shirt absorbs some of this heat. Yeah. Then you go back into the office and it regulates again, maybe gives you some of it back. Back, exactly. Okay. All right. Aman and Gihan launched this techie dress shirt in 2012 on the website Kickstarter, which allows people to put money towards products they like. And it was a runaway hit. They formed a company called Ministry of Supply. But in some sense, they were late to the party. Nike and Under Armour and other companies have been trying to incorporate technology into sports products for years. Yeah, you know, we, we like to talk about this. Can we, we have this investor pitch that we were giving in like 2012 and 13. We had this line in there that was something to the tune of, you know, clothing hasn't changed in decades. You're wearing r- relatively the same thing that your grandparents wore, you know, save maybe some changes in gingham patterns mm-hmm. or silhouettes, right? So micro trends or macro trends. But for the most part, what's under the hood, kind of what's actually in that garment, really hasn't changed in any dramatic way outside of the gym, right? So there's a ton of progress we've seen in the performance sector where your body is kind of pulling these features. But outside of that, the other kind of 23 hours of the day have been relatively untouched by by technology and the impact it could have. We talk a lot about Moore's Law and this kind of speed of innovation that just hasn't really affected clothing yet. And so it's, it's our mission to kind of change that. What Aman and Gihan have done with Ministry of Supply, pumping tech into everyday clothes, is something that hasn't reached most of us yet. They've opened a bunch of stores around the country, including one in Boston where I interviewed them, and they're part of a new crop of businesses trying to solidify the marriage between tech and fashion. And then, this winter, Aman and Gihan introduced a product that they hope will remake our wardrobes. It's a pretty thin jacket meant for the dead of winter with heating panels in it. The panels use the same technology as seat warmers in a fancy car. It's also got an accelerometer, like your phone does, which senses when you're moving and when you're not. So it doesn't generate as much heat for someone in motion as it does when that person is sitting still. Because when you're sitting still, like at a bus stop, you're probably getting really cold. In some ways, if you take a step back, it's weird that that flexibility doesn't exist in clothes. Think about your car. If it's hot outside, you put on the air conditioning, and if it's cold, you put on the heat. So 
why can't you do that with your jacket? So when you're traveling from Boston to Florida, for example, and you show up with a down jacket and you're stuffing in the overhead you know, container, now you can have something that actually works in a wider range. But it's also kind of where we think wearables are going to go. Um, right now, uh, wearables have focused a lot on data acquisition, helping us understand our health, our activity levels, but it doesn't necessarily help us take an action on that in terms of our comfort. And so what we're excited about is this type of technology having a, a heating element that's very low profile that can actually act on that information to allow you to have a better jacket. You buy a jacket to keep you warm and to keep you warm at the right time, this will do a better job of that. It, it also feels to some degree like if you do look down into the future and you think about things like Fitbits and Apple Watches, it feels to some degree like clothes and those, you know, sort of chunky things that you might wear around your wrist may be sort of uh, coming into one, right? I mean, I know there are already like sports bras that yeah. track how fast you're going or how many steps you – like that instead of having two separate things – you know, the the functions that, you know, maybe your Fitbit once did will maybe be inside your clothes. What you're describing with Fitbits or Apple Watches, which are beautiful devices, is it's a way to make technology wearable, right? It's, you know, it's a computer with effectively a strap on it to put somewhere on your body. With this jacket, we kind of wanted to start with the opposite input, which was not how do we make technology wearable, but how do we make wearables more technical? And so we started off by saying, first and foremost, before we even talk about heating elements, this needs to be the greatest jacket that ever existed, right? So we, we use the analogy a lot that if an, an escalator is broken, it's a really good set of stairs. Mm -hmm. And that this needs to be the, the greatest set of stairs before we decided to put you know, any technology into those stairs. This needed to handle everything on its own. And so in that way, we do think the two worlds will merge. We just have an angle on it that starts off on the wearable side instead of on the tech side and looks at beautifully integrating the technology instead of the other way around. Do you think about the fact that, you know, right now, having technologically advanced fabric, having things 3D printed, it's a lot more expensive than the clothes you can get at lots and lots of places. Do you feel like this right now is for obviously wealthier people? And I, I wonder if you think that'll change. I mean, our, our hope is that, you know, there is the ability to start making these products at scale. But right now, what we're actually seeing is kind of a cultural shift towards kind of fewer and better products that what we want to do is think about how can that blazer that you use be used not just for, you know, that wedding, but also your board meeting, but also you feel comfortable flying in it. That these are all use cases that you can take your product through. And looking at versatility in the style, versatility in the functionality, those are things that allow us to have fewer but better products. And, you know, for a company that sells clothing, it's not something you'd expect us to say, but that's something we deeply believe in is, you know, when you have kind of this, this minimal wardrobe, it actually saves you time to kind of think about what you have to wear. It, it makes your travel suitcase a lot smaller. So there's a lot of ramifications for it. Talk to Aman Advani and Gihan Amara Siriwardena at the Boston branch of their company, Ministry of Supply. And this is a little bit of editorializing on my part, but if the coming technological shift in clothes seems big, imagine the cultural shift that we'd have to make to set our sights on just a few high-quality outfits rather than a closet stuffed with lots and lots of cheaper options. 
By the way, if you want to catch some of Amon and Gihan's creations, you can find them on display for the next few months at the Museum of Science in Boston. They're in the Wicked Smart exhibit. And I should add that the Museum of Science has, from time to time, been an underwriter of this program.